Uh, okay, I want to begin by showing you a picture of this guy. Uh, some of you will know this man. This man is called, or was called, uh, Eric Liddell. Um, he was a very famous, uh, back in the 20s, he was a very famous sprinter. Uh, and actually an international rugby player, which I didn't know he was, but he was. Um, uh, and he became quite famous because he qualified for the 1924 uh, Olympic Games, Summer Olympic Games, uh, in Paris. Uh, and when he got there, uh, he, cu- he ruffled quite a few feathers because when the schedule of events was released, uh, he saw that his heats for his, hun- his favoured 100-metre race were on a Sunday. Uh, and so he, being a Christian, uh, felt that that was his job and that he wasn't willing to do his job on the Lord's Day, Sunday, uh, his Sabbath day. Uh, and so he refused. He refused. Uh, he came under real pressure from uh, the British Olympic Committee to run anyway, but he, he stuck to his guns and he didn't change his mind. Uh, and then, quite surprisingly, he actually uh, saw the schedule and saw that the 400 metres was actually scheduled for a weekday. Uh, and so he put his name down for the 400 metres instead and actually won it uh, and got a gold medal in the 400 metres. And so his story, uh, some, I'm sure some of you have at least seen it, uh, is dramatised in the, the famous film Chariots of Fire. Um, and um, he made headlines all over the world. Um, became an international star. But if you've seen the movie Chariots of Fire, uh, there's one scene in the movie that anticipates his later decision. Uh, There's this one scene where uh, it pictures uh, Eric coming home in in his home of of Scotland, coming home from church one Sunday and coming across a little boy who's playing football. Uh, And he says to the little boy... uh, the Sabbath isn't a day for football, son, is it? Uh, and the wee boy reluctantly lifts his ball and says, I suppose so, and goes home. Now, my question is, my question is, was Eric right? Was Eric right? Now, you can't help but admire the man for having the courage of his convictions, even when it was going to be costly for him to believe something and stick to his decision. But, but... Is that the way that we should think about Sunday, Sabbath day, rest day? How are we? Should we keep Sunday special? Um, If so, are there things we shouldn't shouldn't do? How do you decide? How do you decide? Well, this week we get into some of these practicalities uh, of resting, Sabbath rest. Last week, if you were with us, we looked at the very general principle uh, of Sabbath rest back in uh, Genesis chapter 2, where we saw that God uh, was a worker uh, and that he built the world in six days and then on the seventh day he rested. And in so doing, I tried to argue, in so doing, God has built this pattern, this rhythm into the very fabric of creation of one day's rest, or sorry, yeah, one day's rest, six days work, or the other way around. Uh Okay, so that's six work, one rest. Um, And we saw last week that if you ignore that rhythm to life, you do so at your peril. You do so at your peril. 
Uh, there's all sorts of wonderful reasons why that's a gracious gift from God. But that's very different, as we thought last week as well, that's very different to the rhythm of this world, isn't it? Which is work more, accomplish more. Work more, accumulate more, repeat. Okay, that's the pattern of the world. But we're offered something very different. By way of recap, let's just, I want just to point you to uh, Exodus chapter 20. Uh, where this rhythm is then given to God's rescued people from Egypt, uh, the people that he has rescued from slavery, and God gives them this rhythm for their flourishing. Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner or the stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Uh, we saw in this command... There, it, it's actually twofold. It's actually twofold. There's two parts to this command. The first part, implicit, embedded in the command to take a rest, is that you should actually work. It's important we don't miss that while thinking about rest. Uh, it, work is a good thing. Work is a gift. God is a worker. We're not meant to think of work as a necessary evil. Work is a good thing. Uh, but the danger is if you work all the time, and that is all you do, it will wreck your health. It will grind your soul into the ground. The flip, the flip side is also true. If you rest all the time, that's all you do is rest, then actually that's bad for you uh, because it will give, if, if you do no work, no meaningful, significant labor, then your life will be empty and you will be overwhelmed with meaninglessness and lack of significance. There's this symbiotic relationship between work and rest. It's a, it's a rhythm that God has built into the fabric of the world. So both overwork and underwork both rob us of the capacity to live as God intended. Okay? But um, for those of you who know your, your Bible, you will know that the first five books of the Bible tell one unified story. Exodus is the story of how God rescued his people from Egypt, uh, that first generation. Um, but by the time you get to the book of Deuteronomy, um, 40 years has passed. That first generation of slaves who were rescued from Egypt, they've, they've died out. And Moses, in this book of Deuteronomy, gives several long speeches to the children of that first generation as they stand, not at Mount Sinai this time, but as they stand on the very brink of the promised land. And when he speaks to them, for those of you who have eyes to see it and are careful readers, you will see that he, um, when he speaks to the second generation, he will sometimes uh, apply the law given at Sinai in new ways for them. 
And so with that said, open your Bible up again to Deuteronomy chapter 5, or the words will appear on the screen behind me. Again, this is the, the, the Ten Commandments are repeated again to the second generation. And when we come to this command to observe the Sabbath day, we read this in Deuteronomy 5 uh, that uh, Michael read for us. Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and female servant may rest as you do. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We have the same command, but notice there's a different reason. There's a different reason to keep the command. That's what I want us to reflect on for a few minutes this morning. Uh, And and when the command is originally given in the book of Exodus, the reason, the motivation to keep the command is the story of creation. God has built this rhythm into the fabric of creation. But when we get to the book of Deuteronomy, there's a different reason, uh, the different motivation. And that is not the story of creation, but the story of redemption, the story of God's rescue. If Exodus is about keep the Sabbath, because it's the right rhythm. Uh, In Deuteronomy, we're told to keep the Sabbath as an act of remembrance, as an act of remembrance. If Exodus is about an invitation to uh, enjoy the good world that God has put you in and everything that's good and beautiful in your life, um, enjoy what you've got rather than what you don't, um, the book of Deuteronomy is a reminder of what your God is like. And how you should imitate him. In this passage I think we see a couple of extra dimensions to this command to Sabbath and to rest. Uh, And I want to explore them for a few minutes with you. Uh, In this we see that the Sabbath day, a rest day, is supposed to be a day for rejoicing. A day for remembrance. And a day of redemption. Okay, I'm going to explore each one of those in turn. First, uh, the Sabbath day is supposed to be a day for rejoicing, a day for rejoicing. Now, in a crowd this size, given where we are as well in Northern Ireland, I suspect there's at least one or two of you who have negative thoughts when someone says Sabbath day to you. I suspect that's the case. Um, for some of us who grew up in a traditional, from a traditional Christian background, conservative background, for us, Sabbath day was a day of rest, yeah, but a bit like the way a prison cell is restful, okay? There's a bed there, but that's it. Uh, it was a, a legalistic day of a big list of things you should do and lots and lots of things that you shouldn't do. What should you do on the Sabbath? Well, you should wear your Sunday best. You should attend church at least three times that day. Um, you should um, take an afternoon nap. So you got enforced naps. That was a, maybe that's just my family. Um, what you shouldn't do? What should you not do? Shouldn't watch TV. 
uh, you shouldn't uh, play sport, uh, particularly football, something particularly bad about football, uh, and you certainly shouldn't buy any stuff, okay? So I, I suspect there's quite a lot of us in this room who, when we think of Sabbath, have all those negative associations that it's a, a dreary day, uh, a boring day, a day of a list of don'ts. But it's worth remembering when this rule, when this loving command was originally given, who did God speak it to? Who did God speak it to? He spoke it to former slaves who didn't have a day off in 400 years. Think about that. They didn't have a day off in 400 years. This would have been the most wonderful command they could have imagined. This certainly wasn't a day uh, of restriction to limit them. This was a day of liberation to refresh them. And so Sabbath in a Jewish setting and from a Jewish mindset is a very positive day. Uh, And it's also a day in which God is saying to his people, I am not like Pharaoh. I am not like Pharaoh. I'm not a tyrant. I'm not going to make you work and work and work and flog you and work you and never be satisfied. No, no. If you come to to me and to my kingdom, you will experience peace and rest, not slavery. And so the challenge for us is if you think, come to a, a Sabbath day Uh, and you think of God as being restrictive rather than being gentle and compassionate and kind, then something has gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. You may have a faulty view of God. Just, we're going to flip over to, uh, don't turn to it, the words will appear on the screen here, Leviticus 23. Uh, Leviticus 23 is a chapter full of here are the holy days, which turned into holidays for the people of Israel. And verses 1 and 2 are a bit like a a heading for the whole of the chapter. Uh, The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed feasts, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim proclaim as sacred assemblies. Here are the holidays. Here are the celebrations that you're to enjoy. Uh, And what is the first one? The very first one. Next verse. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh is a day of Sabbath rest a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. Sabbath for the, the Hebrew people was supposed to be like a weekly Christmas without any of the stress or the annoying relatives. Okay, Sabbath was to be the celebration every week to remember who God is and what he has done for them. I came across this story this week of a young couple uh, who were honeymooning, just got married. They're honeymooning on the Isle of Skye in Scotland uh, back in the 60s. And they're, they're walking along the, the shore of a loch uh, on uh, a Sunday afternoon and they see a boat, a rowing boat tied up beside the lake. Uh, and the husband says, come on, come on, we'll, we'll take a spin in the boat. If you take a spin, a seal, whatever you do in a boat. Okay, so they, they run down and they begin to untie the boat. Uh, and they hadn't noticed that there's a wee old lady sitting beside them. And to their surprise, she says, not on the Sabbath, you don't. I'll not do the Scottish accent. Uh, not on the Sabbath, you don't. 
uh, and they're shocked. And um, the man who was brought up in Sunday school knows a little bit about the Bible. And so he says, but yeah, oh, but didn't Jesus like walk through a field on the Sabbath day and pluck some grain ears of corn and feed his disciples? And didn't he heal some people on the Sabbath day? And wasn't it fine? Uh, and the wee woman says, not on the Isle of Skye, didn't <laughs> And, and some of you are old enough, some of you are old enough, it's not just in the Isle of Skye, some of you are old enough that actually in Northern Ireland, uh, some of the parks, I just found this out this week, I, was, I, I thought this was crazy to be honest, but uh, on a Saturday night in some of the local parks in Belfast, the swings would have been chained up. Isn't that true? Or wound up? Anyone remember that? Yeah, yeah, some people. Heaven forbid there be any swinging on a Sunday that'd be awful too much fun happening there notice what we're talking about here something very very different that sort of strict Sabbatarianism that's trying to avoid life and humanity and festivity of any kind well actually to be honest you're a million miles you're a million miles away from the original intention that God has for the Sabbath day a feast a celebration uh, to be enjoyed. Uh, of course, uh, so for, for us, then, if we are to enter into the spirit of Sabbath rest, a day of rest, then I think it's got to involve feasting on good food. It's got to involve fun with family and friends, fellowship with our brothers and sisters. Uh, it's got to involve... Um, Spending time together, rejoicing in the creation that God has for us together. Um, of course, festivity takes planning, doesn't it? It doesn't just happen. So if we want to enter into the spirit of festivity, we've got to prepare for it. Ask any mum who wants to organize a, a birthday party for a five-year-old, right? It takes lots of planning for that festivity, for that, that fun to happen in the same way for us. But it's got to be worth it because that's the intention God had for it. It's a day for rejoicing. It's a day for rejoicing, uh, enjoying one another and enjoying what God has done for us. It's a day of rejoicing. But second, it's to be a day of remembrance, to be a day of remembrance. Now, the Hebrew word for remember uh, is not exactly the same as the English word for remember. Uh, the English word remember really just means the opposite of forget, okay? I did not remember her name. I forgot her name. That's, you're saying exactly the same thing there, aren't you? But in, in Hebrew thought, in the Bible, the word remember carries with it a slightly different meaning. Uh, so, for example, in the story of Noah, if you know it, in the story of Noah and the ark, uh, in chapter 8, in the book of Genesis, we read, and God remembered Noah. That's a bit odd, isn't it? Does God suffer from memory lapses often that he had forgotten about Noah? The idea of remember in the Bible is that you bring something to the front of your mind because you're going to do something about it. That's the idea. You bring it to the front, a thought to the front of your mind because you're going to act on it. And so in the same way, the Sabbath 
invites us to bring three ideas to the front of our minds and calls us to do something in each case. First, the Sabbath day reminds us of our reliance on God and prompts us to trust him. Um, Let me take you to one uh, little incident uh, in the book of uh, Exodus. In Exodus chapter 16, uh, verses 22 to 25, I'll not not take time to read it all, other than to say when uh, the people of Israel are traveling through the desert, they have no food, and God graciously provides this food. They label manna. Uh, that just is the word, what is it? <laughs> they, could, they didn't have a clue what it was. They'd never seen anything like it. God gave them this wonderful manna in the desert. And from the description, think large frosty flake. That's what I think of anyway. So the sweet flake that they had to eat. Um, and they were given it every day for six days. But then on the seventh day, tomorrow... Uh, is the day is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake uh, what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. The idea is the next morning. You gather up what you need on Friday, gather extra on Friday, because Saturday, their Sabbath, was to be a day of rest. No work that day. Now, why did God do that? Why did God do that? Quite simply, God did that in order to remind them week in, week out that their rest was an expression of their trust. Their rest was to be an expression of their trust. Um, I think we struggle here as well. Uh, They were being reminded, who really provides for you? Who, Who feeds you? Look, it doesn't all depend on you and your working and your slaving. I am the one who ultimately sustains your life. I am the one who protects you. And I can be trusted. I can be trusted. Alternatively, if we work flat out seven days a week, work or study or whatever it is, seven days a week without a day of difference... In effect, what we're saying is, I don't think I can trust you. I need to provide for me. It's great that you're there as a backup, but look, I realize, or I think, I'm the one who needs to provide for myself. We used this quote last week. I think it's brilliant. from John Mark Comer uh, when he said, On the Sabbath, we don't just take a day off from work but a day off from toil. We give him our fears, anxiety, and stress, and we let go. We stop trying to manage and control everything and remember our place in the universe. When we refuse to take a day off, fundamentally what we're trying to do is take God's place in the world. And we're refusing to trust him. Refusing to let go the world will still go on fine without me for one day. I trust that you've got this. A weekly reminder of our limits that then prompts us to trust in God's power, to trust in God's wisdom, to trust in God's goodness. The Sabbath is a reminder every single week of our reliance on him.
and that is very, very healthy. The second thing the Sabbath is a reminder of, it's a reminder of our rescue. It's our rescue. So it reminds us of our reliance and we should trust him. It's a reminder of our rescue and we should praise him. Back in the command, uh, we read that the reason for it, you shall remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. The Jews were reminded every single week that they were once helpless slaves and God dramatically, powerfully rescued them from their slavery in Egypt and he brought them out. Um, And as he brought them out, he didn't just leave them in the desert, but he guided them to the promised land. And actually, regularly throughout the Old Testament, the promised land is actually described as God's rest. It's God's rest. The place where they will will be able to settle. The place where they'll have rest from their enemies. God brought them out of the land in order for them to have rest. And as New Testament believers, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We gather to remember an even greater rescue that God has provided for us. I just want to turn you to uh, Acts 20, just for a moment. Uh, When we read Acts 20, we read this in verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we gather together to break bread... Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. You got off lightly, everybody. Okay. Second, Paul says something similar, uses similar language in 1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints. On the first day of the week, each of you should put something aside and store it up that he may prosper, and so that there will be no collecting when I come. The assumption in the New Testament, however, is when the, the New Testament people of God gather to remember the rescue of God. It's not on the seventh day of the week. It's on the first day of the week. That is the regular pattern. In fact, so much so that when you get to the book of Revelation, where John is talking about the first day of the week, he calls it the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day it was the day that... the, the Christians regularly gathered to meet. And what do we gather to remember? Well, we also gather to remember that God rescued us from slavery with an outstretched arm, didn't he? With an outstretched arm. Because he sent his son to bear the, the penalty that we deserved for all our shame, for all our guilt uh, on the cross. And his arms were nailed, outstretched. And he bore the death sentence for us. But he was buried. And then wonderfully he rose again. We were just singing about it. He rose again. And when he rose again, he rose on the first day of the week. He rose on the first day of the week. Resurrection day. A day which marked the shattering of the curse. A day which marked freedom freedom for all who will trust him, freedom from the consequences of their sin, freedom from the fear of death. And he opened up the way for us to enter into the ultimate rest, the rest of the the new creation. 
And so it's completely appropriate then, Sunday by Sunday, Lord's Day by Lord's Day, we meet and we rehearse the story again. It's a vital rhythm for us, I think, to be honest. A vital rhythm that we get into because we forget. We forget. Uh, Think of it like a pit stop on a Formula One race. We regularly need that pit stop to be refueled. Because we all struggle. We all struggle with our sense of failure and guilt. And we need regularly to be reminded week upon week that we are accepted and welcomed. As we go through our week and we are struggling, struggling, suffering, we need to be reminded week on week that we are loved by God. As we struggle during the week, every week, to speak about Jesus and to tell other people of the forgiveness and the hope that they can have in him if they put their trust in him, uh, we struggle to do that. And as we come week on week, we are reminded that these things are real. This is not fairy tale land or wishful thinking. This is real, and it's a matter of life and death. We need to gather together week upon week Um, to be reminded of these things. We need to make meeting together, therefore, uh, a priority, absolute priority, uh, to celebrate God's grace, learn uh, from his word, share our joys and our tears together, uh, to show our children what matters most to us. That means, in practice, I think that meeting together... um, has got to be a priority, a habit, a ritual that is almost, almost unbreakable. If it's that important and we need to do it, it should be a habit that is almost unbreakable. Now I recognize for all sorts of reasons uh, there will be things that interrupt our, our regular worship, uh, whether it's um, being on call with work or different shift patterns, whether it's caring for little ones or older ones, uh, holidays, whatever it is. There will be all sorts of interruptions, but as far as it is within our power, we should make meeting together to remember his rescue an absolute priority. We remember on the Lord's Day, we remember our reliance on God, we remember our rescue, and then thirdly, we remember our responsibility. We remember our responsibilities. Uh, Back in Deuteronomy 5, what was really stressed, what was really underlined there is our response, their responsibility to provide rest for those who were their servants, so their male servants, their female servants, that they may rest as well as you do. There was a responsibility to think about others on the day. Sabbath day is not a duvet day just for you, right? Not just a day where you kind of climb onto the sofa and just you know, binge watch Netflix all day, or perhaps you're a bit holier than that. You'll listen to a podcast of a sermon while you wash the car on your own. No, no, Sabbath is not just a day for you. We are to, you are to be, we are to be conscious of the needs of other people uh, around us when we do that. Um, we're to be conscious of the needs of our family, family. Uh, so a husband, um, 
I, I can't say a wife so, uh, because I'm a man. So a husband uh, who says, I've been working hard all week, uh, so I'm just going to put my feet up and watch TV all day, uh, or I'm just going to go and play golf all day, uh, or whatever it is, without a thought for the impact that his behavior would have on his wife, who would perhaps have to do more by looking after the children and all the different errands that she would have to run, he would not be observing the Sabbath in the way the Lord intended. And so perhaps, so perhaps, in your family, you could have a chat this afternoon about who normally does what and how the other could do that one day a week. Maybe it's one person normally does the cooking or the cleaning or the looking after the children and perhaps one day a week in order to give that other person a rest. You could do that. Look, that's a, I'm not getting involved anymore in your relationship. That's up to you. But a, an interesting conversation for you to have, isn't it? Because on the Sabbath, you're to be conscious of the needs of others. Also, we're to be conscious of the, need, uh, and the, the, the needs of our fellow believers. Uh, in that verse from 1 Corinthians, remember, they were to gather together and think about collecting money for other poor Christians. You're to be conscious of the needs uh, of others. As I said, there's a temptation, I think, for lots of us to say, ah, do you know what? I'm just going to skip Sunday this week. I'm just going to skip it out. We're just going to stay at home and relax. Can I just say, if you do that, you're not being considerate of the needs of your brothers and sisters in your church. And if it's this church that you regularly attend, you're not being considerate to our needs. You may feel you don't need us, but we know we need you. We know we need you. Without you, we are poorer, not just financially. Without you, we are poorer. We're less gifted. We are less caring. We are less encouraging if you are not here. And so when you come on a Sunday don't be th- to gather with us, don't be thinking that this is a, like a concert that is being performed for you. No, this it's an opportunity for you to be involved, encouraging those sitting to your left and right. Uh, that's why our informal time of tea and coffee is so important. And we want to ensure we carve out space for that. When we gather together, we remember. We remember our reliance on God. We remember our rescue. We remember our responsibilities to others. And then lastly and very quickly, the Sabbath rest, the day of Sabbath. It's supposed to be a day of rejoicing, a day of remembrance. Lastly, it's supposed to be a day of redemption. A day of redemption. A day of freedom. A day of freedom. Um, what difference does it make to this command that was given to the ancient people of Israel so long ago? What difference has the coming of the Lord Jesus made to that command for us? Now there will be some. Now this is now if you're kind of new to Christian things, this is where there's debate among Christians about how to work these things out. Some, uh, perhaps some in this room, will think there is no difference. Jesus makes no difference. The command is still just as binding uh, on believers as it was to the ancient Israelites. That we are to gather together and have a day of rest and worship every week. For us, there's the kind of tweak a little bit. We put it on a Sunday as opposed to a Saturday. And if you don't do it, 
you are sinning against the Lord. That's one view. Um, however, to, uh, I, I don't have time to unpack this view. You may want to come back to me and tea and coffee and have a chat. Uh, I, I don't hold that view. Uh, I think when you start to read uh, passages like uh, Exodus 34, you will see that the Ten Commandments was part of the package of the Old Covenant. It was the, the, the regulations of God's contract with the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And when you come into the New Testament and the new covenant and the new contract that God makes with his people, you will see there's new regulations, new stipulations. Uh, Surprise, surprise, we're dealing with the same God and they're almost identical. Nine of them, nine of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament, except one, except one. And that one is the command and the regulation for a Sabbath day. And so I think Paul, or I think we, we should enjoy great freedom uh, on the Sabbath day. That's a matter of conscience. There's liberty for us to choose how we will celebrate it. Uh, and I think I, I stand in good stead, um, I, good company. I think Paul says something very similar. For example, in Romans 14, Paul says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while a number esteems all days alike. Each one of you should be fully convinced in your own mind. Freedom, you choose. Colossians 2. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. I think we, need to, we can enjoy great freedom on the Sabbath. Uh, I don't think you should have other people impose upon you what you can and can't do. You need to work that out uh, yourself. And so for me personally, I'm not speaking on behalf of the elders, but I'm speaking personally uh, for those uh, who meet Christians, who meet in the Islamic world, uh, where they... uh, where Friday is the day off, it seems to me it makes good sense for you to meet Christians, to meet that day when everyone is off. Um, for, uh, for those of us in this room who have different shift patterns and different work uh, arrangements, I think sometimes your day of rest might be different to your day of worship. You know, you get along to whatever Sunday service you can, uh, but take your full day of rest some other day. I think you're free to do that. Um, some of you might be thinking, can I, can I mow the lawn? Can I go for a run? Can we watch TV or play football? I think enjoy great liberty. Enjoy. Enjoy the day. Uh, but wisdom then would say, wisdom Because Sabbath is not God's command to us, but his wisdom for us. The wisdom that the Sabbath would give is you can do and enjoy all of those things, but do not forsake meeting with God's people. Just work that around it. Sabbath principles still apply. God has built this pattern, this rhythm into the very fabric of creation and we are mad to ignore it. God has also given these uh, wise instructions for us to regularly, every week, meet together to remember. To remember what God has done for us. Remember our reliance on him and trust him. 
Remember our rescue and praise him. And remember our responsibilities and serve other people. Let me pray for us.